What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your host, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. Or if things on here for the USA, can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. All right, and welcome to the next episode of the Gabacho Baracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. I am one third of your cohorts, uh, Corey Adair at DJ Corpo Seven on Twitter, and I'm joined today with the usual uh, Thomas Miller at Don Thomas Miller on Twitter. Um, and then we also got our third guy in here back from back from a long cruise. How how was it down in the in the Blue seas of the Caribbean and and white sand. It was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Um, Saint Kitts. Um, the beaches were pretty incredible. Um, it was actually overcast that day, but still a beautiful um, beach day. We actually did beach days on the majority of the islands. Um, Barbados. We actually took a submarine um, tour, so that was pretty incredible. But yeah, it was one of the best vacations that we've ever had. Nice. Awesome. Can't can't complain about that. Best ever's are always good. Uh, you did you did have some impeccable timing. Luckily for you, you're a little bit further east, so I don't think that this uh, vortex or whatever the hell they're calling it sitting on top of you right now. But over over our way, very stark contrast on what you experienced a couple of weeks ago versus what we're experiencing <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, it was a stark contrast um, from when we started the cruise to when we actually. Um, to what we um, experienced while we got to the islands because when we left New York, it was like um, in the forties and then we get back and it's like in the um, low thirties, high twenties, and it's been like 80 degrees on the islands. (laughs) Yeah. Right now we are dealing with, I'm looking at my computer. It is negative one with a minus. And the U S national team is going to going to play on matches in this nonsense. I know, I know. In four weeks, in four weeks almost exactly, we are going to be playing an outdoor match in Minneapolis, Minnesota against Honduras. I, I still, I still cannot fucking believe that they thought this was going to be a good idea. Yeah. 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 It was, um, the other day it was like 17 degrees, but with the wind chill, it was below zero. And, you know, that's kind of like for February 2nd, that would be a pretty mild day in mm-hmm. Minneapolis and just being outside there's just no way you can you can do it if it was anything yeah. like it's been these last two days i mean if you don't have gloves on your hands are are frozen like within you know seconds it's just yeah dude i tweeted it, it out yesterday i tweeted it out yesterday or did no it was today where if your mustache freezes by the time you get to your car it's too fucking cold yeah <laughs> i i will say i actually appreciated um the mask for the first time ever last <laughs> night when I was on the, when I was walking to and from my car in Louisville, because 
I didn't have to worry about um, my nose um, freezing at all with um, the wind biting. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I usually, like, when the beard gets this long and it's windy out, I can feel it, like, move to the side and push against my face. I can feel it actually blow in the wind. And when it gets Mm -hmm. to that length, I usually shave it. I'm not shaving it this winter. I, I, I've learned my lesson. I'm gonna. Uh, I I can't I can't deal with having that much facial hair. It it just feels like there's a weight on my face. I don't know how you manage it. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love it. I, I, it's got. It's because it's red. If it wasn't red, I probably would be shaving it more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But all right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and transition. We already kind of touched on the fact that we are going to be having matches coming up here at the end of this month. And in my personal opinion, I think that. You know, it's kind of cliche in sports in general as the season goes on or as the window windows go on or qualifying goes on. Every match ends up being the most important match. You know, the next match is always the most important match. Uh, But I do truly feel like this window is our most critical window because we have two home matches that we clearly can win. And we have a road match that if we can get a point out of in this window and get two seven points out of this window. I think it almost all but solidifies a really legitimate hope and expectation that we're going to qualify. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I really feel like this is the most critical window. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Cause looking at what could happen with um, the four teams who are currently on the outside looking in, I mean, best case for Costa Rica, I'm just doing the, doing the math is 27 points, which probably isn't going to happen. So, I mean, if the U S can get seven points and get to 22, that basically puts some the pressure on the four bottom teams to pretty much run the table, or there's no way that the U S can be caught in the final window. So seven points pretty much um, all but seals it. And if they can get nine, then it's done and dusted. They're going to cut her. Yeah, yeah, seven points is a good uh, goal. I think, you know, uh, sitting on 22, the last window, get Panama at home. You know, even if if uh, we were to lose at Costa Rica at, at Azteca, we get three points for Panama. We're probably even safe into the third spot, you know, that uh, want to avoid uh, unnecessary, meaningful games, you know, no matter who's against. So want to try to avoid that playoff too. But, yeah, so I think sitting on 22, you know, you just look at put all our eggs into the beating Panama at home basket and not really have to worry about two places that we really struggled to play at historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of the guys that we're going to end up seeing um, uh, in this camp and, you know, in the World Cup and everything we talk about all the time, um, there's been some newsworthy things with them. Um, one guy that I do want to touch on is, um, Sergino Dest. Uh, I think we covered it possibly on a past episode, but there were reports that Xavi was just, just, uh, didn't see him as a good fit, uh, at Barca. And it's starting to kind of show he is on a COVID list right now and has been on technically injured list, uh, since December 12th. Um, but it, it looks like he's on his way out. Um, he may even get that transfer here in January. Um, should mention too, I guess, since, you know, it is the new year's January 6th transfer window opened here on the first day of the year. 
uh, and it'll be open until the end of the month. And um, just uh, some of the teams that have shown interest in him, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Bayern Munich, and uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, you guys got any thoughts on where you would like to see him land if he does move? Um, I, I, per, for him, I would personally like to see him land somewhere in the EPL or in Bundesliga. If he's going to be a solidified fullback or wingback, doesn't matter if whichever two he's going to be playing at, we, we need a type of toughness out of him that will be cultivated in those two leagues. So I would like to see him in one of those two leagues playing in that position. I, I made the joke today that we've got a wing back playing winger and we got a winger playing wing back. And apparently one of the top teams that's looking at best is Chelsea. I don't know. I, I, I feel, I don't feel good about the trajectory of Dest right now. I do think he's a highly skilled player, a highly technically skilled player, highly athletic that he will find a place. It's just, it's not, it's not an ideal situation for him to be in going into this window. He should, he needs to be getting minutes and he's getting buried on the bench and I don't like it. Surprising thing is he seems to be okay with it. Um, like what I'm, what I'm reading about his situation is he seems reluctant to leave um, Barca. So I don't know. I mean, he seems to think that he can be a um, key player for them in the coming months, but based off what we've been seeing that, just doesn't seem to be happening. So I don't know what the situation is, but wherever he does go, I'd like to see him get some key matches. And I think probably the Premier, the Premier League would be the best place for that to happen because, I mean, the Bundesliga, it's Bayern and everybody else yet again. So, I mean, there's not really going to be that much pressure I mean, the Premier League, Man City is um, looking like they're going to run away with that, but Chelsea's going to be in a um, tough fight um, for the rest of the way. So that would seem to be the ideal situation to get him prepared. Yeah, I would love to see him uh, as a homer thing, but Atletico, I, you know, under some Diego Simeone tutelage, uh, I think he would probably get minutes, you know. Uh, you know, they're... they're fullback situations aren't super deep uh and uh you know the the style that Simeone does run um it's either you know the the three in the back uh, so he'd be playing wing back or sometimes it is like a four three three or four three two one and uh and the fullbacks overlap which you know fits his game he he doesn't he isn't going to want to go somewhere it almost doesn't exist in modern football that He's just going to be defending or whatever, you know, but I mean, uh, Diego Simeone's system is, you know, been now for like over 10 years, one of the best defensive systems in, in all of world soccer. So I think that would be a good platform too. And I do kind of like that he is uh, wanting to stick around at Barca and, and work his way back into getting playing time, you know, and just, <laughs> it could just be like a dead end thing for him. If, uh, if if the coach and management don't want him to play, he's not going to get time, you know. So let's kind of see what happens with that, right? Yeah, I got I got I got two 
two things to add on to here. One, one with Dan's point was him being surprising, surprisingly accepting of the situation. I think that goes to his upbringing. Barca is a, is a dream destination. He probably grew up as a Barca fan. So wanting to work hard enough to make it at your club that you were a fan of as a kid probably has a lot to do with that in my opinion i I mean i'm 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 making a lot of assumptions there but i feel like they're safe assumptions that makes Um, sense and then the other thing that i was going to add on was thomas's point with atletico madrid i made my point saying that i would like to see him go to the english premier league or maybe even the bundesliga because of the the skills that he would acquire on the defensive side of things just mm-hmm. from a physicality standpoint in those two leagues but atletico offers a blue collar mentality and a toughness type of mentality that i think would be really beneficial to him too so that system that thomas was talking about i i would actually if he isn't going to if he isn't going to end up in either of those two leagues i would really like that situation at atletico i think that that would fit and would build him as a player and grow him where he's weak at and make him just better overall. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, that's where he needs to grow, I guess, is is, is, is a defensive side of the ball. I don't even necessarily think it's his defensive side. You've made that point so many times, and, I, and I've bought into that point. It's not about his defensive play. It's about a, like, toughness mentality there's been times where we've questioned how bad he wants to get in the muck in these situations Mm -hmm. and i think going to a blue collar uh side like like atletico or going to a physical league would help develop him in that aspect whether he gets better at defense or not to me now that's irrelevant it's more about a mentality i mean (laughs) yeah yeah you're right uh um, a guy who has been impressing me at right wing back with his <laughs> defensive skills, and I'm being completely honest, uh, is Christian Pulisic. He's been playing all over the place for Chelsea. And, you know, you know, the idea of a fullback or a wingback uh, is to, to stop crosses from going in. It's not going to be, you know, doing what a center back does and just, you know, uh, uh, gooning people like John Brooks style. But, like, you know, he, you got to stop runs be able to run with these these wingers who are you know some of the best athletes in the world and uh stop crosses from going in and and honestly i i've really been impressed with him he did get crossed up i guess yesterday in the semifinal of the efl cup uh <laughs> but kind of got you know his ankles broken but i mean that's gonna happen because he is putting his nose in there and it's kind of like Corey always talks about that he plays you know that george kittle you know, balls to the wall kind of style. And you can see that he, he takes whatever position that they're running him out at as much as he might not like it, you know, he he's going out there and giving his all. And he's been impressive at, at right wing back. I'm not saying... He, he almost hit an outside the box bending, like, shot on the outside corner with his weak foot playing right wing. I, I, I saw that. I mean, I, I think it comes back to that typical american attitude that we've talked about where you know what i need minutes i would rather be on the field than on the bench and if you're gonna make me play this 
fucking position that I'm not, you know, typically going to play, but this is where I'm going to get the minutes at. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to ball out and I'm going to go 110%. I'm going to go balls to the wall. All of those things that we love, like that I love about him that you get annoyed with him at, at times is why he would succeed at that position. But I don't think that's his best position. I really don't. And I'm not saying it's know. his best position at all. I'm in, he will not play that for the United States men national team. You're going to have him at left wing or maybe false sign or, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying that he has been impressive at right wing back. A lot more impressive than what I imagined he would be. Um, his fitness level is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the irony here, though, is if this does go to Kelsey, you have a guy who was a right wing back at Barca who they started playing at right winger coming into a situation where their winger is now playing their wing back and they could end up having flipped roles mm-hmm. at Chelsea as to where, so for the United States, Pulisic is going to be the winger and, and Dest will be the right back. But when they go to their club, Dest is the winger and <laughs> Pulisic is the wing back. I just, it, 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 I don't know. I think it's, it's weird. It's just weird. Uh, one other thing I want to say about Pulisic, and this is like one of the reasons that, you know, I, I constantly talk about getting him out of Chelsea, like his utility role, like he's played right wing back, left wing back, left wing, right wing and false nine this year. Like uh, for if, if that was if he was an English guy, which is it's similar to Mason Mount, Mason Mount's played all over the pitch the last couple of years for in, in Thomas Tuchel's system too. English people love him. You know, it's like, it's the type of player that if he were English, he would be, you know, everybody's favorite player. But he just constantly goes out there wherever they throw him in, whenever he can get time, plays good. And he still just gets drugged completely by every English fan of Chelsea. You know, and Dude, that's, that's where that, 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 the anti American sentiment, I, we've talked about it where sometimes we think it's real, sometimes we don't think it's real. But there's a clear, like you see, you can see it clearly on Twitter with the way that people from England talk about Pulisic on Twitter versus the way they talk about somebody who's English in, in, in their skill sets. Like it could be, it could be two guys that are very similar and they love one, but they hate Pulisic. I I think it's anti-American. I really do. I really think that there's this European nose in the air attitude amongst a certain percentage of the fans where it doesn't matter how well they do. They're still American. I don't think it's European as much as it's English. Yeah. Fair. I think there's that um, anti-American perception that exists in the Premier League that does not exist in the Bundesliga or in Serie A or in other leagues where Americans have a record of succeeding for um, club teams. I think those countries accept that, yes, a few Americans are good enough to play in this league and can help us win, whereas the Premier League, there really is that nose-in-the-air situation. And it is it is really just a few clubs in the Premier League, you know, the most hyster- historically successful ones, because we saw Clint Dempsey at, at Fulham and then at Tottenham, and, and they loved him, you know. Uh, you know, I think if Pulisic were to, to, I think he's a Champions League type player, or like any transfer, 
he's going to want to go to another club that's in the champion uh champions league uh i don't know if i said championship but i meant to say champions league uh but i mean if he were to go down to like west ham or everton or or you know everton had tim howard as the goalkeeper for how many years you know and they love them they love him there he's still you know a fan favorite uh it's really really just going to be chelsea arsenal liverpool and uh Man, you, I guess, you know, yeah. man, you, man, you love Ch- Chicharito as far as I could tell. I mean, it seemed like that. Maybe it was just like the, that strong wave of Mexican fans that made it seem like that. But I mean, it, you know, it's just unfortunate for him, but yeah, they're pretty high on themselves. Yeah. I, I hate the way they talk about him at times. It makes me, it makes me so mad because the vast majority of minutes that he's out on the field, he is, he's pushing the threshold on what he's capable of doing. He's just, he, you can see it. You can see the effort and how hard he tries. And there's times where they just fade him when it comes to ball movement. And then there's other times where they play through him. And when they play through him, exciting things happen. And for some fucking reason, these fans, the, the, the English based, the England based fans of Chelsea, just rip on him. I mean, the moment he plays a false nine, if he only plays false nine for 20 minutes and no goals are scored, all of a sudden he's the worst fucking player in the world. And it, it's stupid. It really is stupid. I'm sorry. I, I get so sick of him on Twitter. It kind of brings up a dream scenario in, in a World Cup quarterfinal or semifinal or something where we're matched up against England and Pulisic nets like a couple goal, like a, a brace against them to knock them out. That would just be, you know... <laughs> <laughs> mm. orgasmic type <laughs> moment right there man. oh dude that's a that's shiva blast worthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but right. no the, i think the last person that we were going to talk about a little bit here was Gio Reyna. you know he's missed ever since that window what was it where we went down and played in honduras and then came back and played home against canada el salvador the first game yep yep so, okay so el salvador yeah He's been he's been out for club and for country and club. He hasn't played for for Dortmund since then either. But he did return to practice. The last time we recorded, we talked about that. He will be on the bench as a substitute this weekend. And I think that's huge because if we can get him some minutes going into that January window, we really, really could use him. Yeah, absolutely. And Dortmund's gonna really need um to get a lot out of him for their own interests because they're going to have a tough time securing one of those um, three remain three non-Bayern um, Champions League slots because everything below Bayern is a, is pretty much a dogfight in the Bundesliga right now. Yeah, and that's that's because they just keep slowly slipping further and further behind them. They just they keep dropping matches that they shouldn't drop or they keep drawing matches that they shouldn't draw and Bayern's lead just keeps growing and I mean they they could use him. Yep. They need him. And you just described the crazy part is this. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the Bundesliga the last fifteen years, Corey. <laughs> yeah, pretty I know. much. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Giorena will help us a lot. Uh, U.S. Men's National Team. So yeah, hopefully, maybe he comes on as a sub right away. Uh, I think Bundesliga will have quite a few matches. They've taken quite a long break, three weeks or so. So they got a lot of games to play here. So that'd be hopefully he should get some runs, some starts and everything before we break for the camp here in a couple of weeks. 
Oh, I, I fully expect him to get some minutes before before the window opens. I also, speaking of Reyna and Dortmund fans, don't they talk about Reyna completely differently than Chelsea fans talk about Pulisic? Have you noticed that? Do you notice that actively? I mean, I think that's accurate. Um, like, I haven't really seen um, any kind of negativity about um, Reyna. Like, I'm pretty sure that that anti-American sentiment, like I said, is pretty much limited only to England. I just, I, I had to say it. I, I had to get it out there because every time, every time I see a video of Reyna coming back to practice or news being dropped that he's going to be a substitute on the bench over the weekend, there are a ton of Dortmund fans that are just super jacked about it. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Let's uh, go ahead and transition uh, into your contemplations. I know you wanted to touch a little bit more on some of our players, so you got the floor, man. All right, so I'm super jacked about this. I, I, I cannot be more excited because when we look at our roster and we look at the positions that we have depth at and the positions we don't have depth at, over the last six months, we have found a lot of depth at certain positions. Like center back, for example, we were wondering about our depth going into the Nations League and immediately after the Nations League. And over the next three to four months after that, we found depth. And we feel good about our center backs now. There's four or five center backs that we could throw out there on any given match that we are comfortable with seeing play. Same with keeper. We've got two, two keepers that we feel comfortable with playing. Uh, you know, as long as they're actively playing for their club. But the one position that has always been elusive for us is striker. Playing an actual nine, not a false nine, an actual nine. And we had two actual nines get moved to European clubs in the last week. We had my boy, Daryl DK, going to the English championship at West Brom. And we had El Train, Ricardo Pepe, going to Augsburg in the Bundesliga. So what I wanted to do is kind of open the floor to you guys because Dan obviously watches a lot of Bundesliga and me and Thomas, Thomas more than me, watches a lot of English football. So what do you guys think about these fits? I'll I'll start with Dan. What do you think about Ricardo Pepe's potential to get minutes at Augsburg? I mean – it's got to be on pretty high because Augsburg has been a really weak offensive team and they've got to get some goals if they're going to avoid the drop zone. Augsburg has only scored 17 goals in 17 matches um, so far, and they're sitting one point ahead of um, Stuttgart for the relegation playoff um, spot and two points ahead of um, 17th and automatic relegation. So Augsburg's got to get more aggressive. And Pepe should really help that um, because they're just looking for anyone who can put the dang ball in the net at this point. I mean, in my opinion, anybody that has an aerial threat to their skill set and a six foot three, that that's a guy that garners crosses. He garners set pieces. He also does a really good job when he does uh, when he when he holds up play allowing people around him to get movement and to get separations and get into space. I, 
I, I think this is a great fit. I am super excited about it. Uh, the one thing that I really loved about these two moves were the teams in question are going to have to compete throughout the rest of the season. And that comes back to Augsburg being so close to relegation. They need goals mm-hmm. and they do not want to go to the second division. And not only that, but I mean, even with Augsburg being that close, Close to relegation. The Bundesliga is so balanced this year that Augsburg's not out of um, the realm of um, thinking that they could compete for a European spot. Like the difference between Union, which is currently seventh, um, and would and would get that Conference League spot right now, and Stuttgart, who is sixteenth and would have to play um, for its lives in the relegation playoff, is ten points. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you go down even further to Bielefeld, they're only one point back of Stuttgart. So there's only 11 points separating European competition from the second division right now. Like, Bayern has a lock on first, Greater Firth has a lock on dead last, and everything else is up for grabs. So Augsburg is going to be playing meaningful matches for the rest of the season pretty much. And the thing that makes me so happy about this move is – Outside of the Premier League, I feel like the collection of center backs in the Bundesliga is a very, very high-quality league as far as that position is concerned. So having a true nine out there on set pieces and with crosses during during uh, run of play, I I really like that sharpening his skill set. I mean, it's it's exponentially better than playing in the MLS. So if he can actually come into Augsburg and net a handful of goals by the end of the season and tone, you know, hone in on that specific skill set, it is huge for us. Yeah, it's huge for us. Any player who goes to Europe, you can see the difference within like, you know, that first six months or so in, in just in all of their skill set, you know, and, um, and, and, uh, and Dan's right. I mean, it's one of the they're one of the more offensively challenged teams in all the Bundesliga. So he's going to have every opportunity. Uh, you know, you don't sign a guy for whatever. Was it 20 million? 20, 20, mil, 20 million transfer fee. So, I mean, you don't you don't sign him and then stick him on the bench, you know. And that's that's a fee. That's Not a fee. For a, no, that's no. a is correct me if I'm wrong here, Dan. But is that a fee for a lower end premier like Bundesliga? first division team, 20 million. Is that a fee that you pay to instantly loan him out to somebody to sharpen his skills? Or okay. is that a fee you, you pay to play him right away? Yeah, no. Like, not only, yeah, like, you're paying that dumb kind of money to someone, you want him in your lineup, no questions asked. And, I mean, to touch further on what I said dumb earlier about just how close this league is, like, Freiburg is currently third, and is only 12 points clear of the drop zone. They're, they're in one of my plays for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, so not only is Augsburg got an eye on, they've got one eye on survival, but they've got one eye on going for it because they're probably never going to get um, this good of a chance at this point in the season to be in position to add one or two players who can be the difference between a relegation fight and a champions league fight because 
everybody is still alive. Even if it's just a Europa League fight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a Europa League um, for a Europa League appearance for a team like Augsburg would be huge. But if they can get up to that Champions League place, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how quick they, they run him out. We've, we've seen a bunch of video of him training with them already, you know, so, I mean, I imagine well, maybe I, this I've been, weekend. I've been retweeting everything. I want that fucking jersey. Give me, the, <laughs> give, give me that fan fest jersey. I want that jersey. <laughs> All right. Um. The other, so So transitioning it over to the second part of my contemplation – and I'm, I'm actually going to step out for a second after I open the floor to you here, Thomas. But the, the second person was my boy, Daryl DK, who we have criticized some of his skill set as far as just kind of pigeonholing him into a specific role on the team. You know, he's, he's definitely freakishly athletic. He's definitely faster than the center backs that he's playing against. And he's bigger and he's stronger and he has this physical skill set but it's the technical side of things that he struggled at that would allow him to flourish as a nine what impact of him going to West Brom who is currently what in fourth of the championship division and fighting for potential promotion back to the premiership what what impact I know that you have criticisms about the championship but what impact could playing in that scenario in those competitive minutes fighting for promotion do for his game? No, I think it will be, it'll be a good place to hone his technical ability. Um, West Brom, similar to Augsburg, very low scoring team as far as championship teams go. I think in the top six, if, if, if the season were to end today, the six that would be uh, um, either in the playoff to promotion or being promoted. I think they're the lowest scoring team. Of those six, they're one of the lower scoring teams in the championship. Um, their their footballing director made it clear in December that they wanted to find somebody who can score goals. And so I think it's going to be a nice place for him to drop into. He had a loan in the championship last year, and he really thrived. Um, I like his fit and their style, too, which is kind of the punt and chase style um he's got that big body he really kind of reminds me of a Mikel Antonio in the sense that he is so athletically gifted so big that if he can get some technical you know improvement in the way he plays you know he could end up being you know a, a standout forward and in the Premier League even um West Brom I think we'll probably be a team in the playoff to get promoted. I don't think they'll get an automatic promotion. I think Bournemouth, I think the Cherries look pretty good. Uh, And then also Fulham. Fulham has so much talent still left over from their Premier League team from last year. They didn't really sell anybody. I don't think anybody's going to deny them getting re-promoted. So it'll be interesting to see if West Brom can work its way through that that playoff at the end of the year and get back into the premier league with Daryl DK, that would be, that would be really, really good for his chances of making that world cup qualifying or the world cup squad in November. Absolutely. 
I don't know if you talked about it, but what was his transfer fee? I am not sure. Not one. Um, you want to look that up, Dan? But uh, do you do you think that he was brought in to play immediate minutes, or do you think he was brought in to be a rotational player? Who mm-hmm. you know, like what what what? How do you feel? He was like what the role was that he was brought in for. No, he's going to come nine, in. Nine and a half million American. Nine and a half American dollars. Yeah, I mean, their <laughs> their their footballing director said that that the baggies uh, were searching for somebody to score goals. Um, at the time of this article that I am looking at, their leading scorer was Carl Grant, <laughs> where where that is, uh, with nine goals, and then the, the second leading scorer was was only with four goals. You know, and like I was saying, they are offensively challenged, similar to Augsburg. Uh, um, they're a really good defensive side. Um, when they were in the Premier League for a long time, that was what they were known for. It's just like kind of locking it down, playing really, really tight to the chest. You know, maybe the games that they would win, uh, they would win one to zero kind of thing. Uh, towards their last couple of years in the Premier League, they were more of a open style. Um, but yeah, I think he's being brought in to play like whether it's initially coming off the bench late in the game it's kind of like that Pulisic super sub thing where you you don't want that guy you don't want Pulisic sprinting at you on the wing uh you know you end up looking like Sergio Ramos did in Champions League last year if you if you got Pulisic on fresh legs same thing with Daryl DK so it's just with his physicality if you're if you've been running around for 75 minutes, you don't want some fresh guy coming in who's like 230 pounds to like push you around, you know. I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm imagining that's how they use them to start off to come well, off I mean, the bench. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're planning to play him quite a few minutes um at West Brom because he's playing for the same manager that um, he had when he um was at Barnsley. Right. So I mean, yeah, so, I mean, that's I mean, so he's with someone who knows how to use him and knows that he has already done some big things in this league. So, I mean, this should work out really well. That's what I'm hoping. I I personally love – I'm – even when it comes to American football, when it comes to fantasy and when it it comes to – projecting guys going from one level to the next specifically obviously from college to professional the the spark scores the combine numbers those those type of physical abilities i put a lot of stock in i i think when that physical ability meets what i call the x factor the 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 clutch factor the you know doesn't cower under pressure and makes the play under the pressure cooker that is where you find truly true greatness. So he already has all the physical skill set. He just needs to keep playing minutes at a club who's playing up against better competition to get better himself and in his technical ability. Yeah. And even if they don't get promotion, uh, I don't think anybody would argue too much uh, if the championship is better than MLS. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would just watching some championship games um, here this last couple of weeks, because I've been fiending for some soccer to watch. It would be interesting to see some sort of tournament with like 
the best MLS clubs, the best Liga MX clubs, and then the championship clubs and see who, you know, it, and like force them to play like, like they actually cared. It would be interesting to see how well MLS clubs would do against me because that league is kind of, it's good. It's good, but you can see a lot of a huge, a huge drop off from the Premier League. I mean, obviously, right? But like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think like I thought, and I could be completely wrong, but I thought for a little while that the best MLS clubs would probably be competitive in the championship. How many of the best, though? Like the top two? Mm, I think maybe like um, the top, like the top um, five or six. Like they wouldn't have a hope in the Premier League, but I think um, like a New England, a Seattle, a Portland would probably be able to be a competitive club in the championship. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. That I would love to see like top five from MLS, top five from Liga MX, and then the top ten mm-hmm. from the championship in some sort of thing, but then like force them to care about it, yeah. you know, because <laughs> that's, that's so much of, it would just be interesting, you know, uh, yeah. because it is, it is similar. If you, if you watch, it's so choppy and uh, it's just back and forth long ball a lot of times. And, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good, great move. Great move. Absolutely. Orlando city is one of my least favorite uh um, clubs in the MLS just for, for how they run their club and uh, so yeah I'm happy to see him get out of there um, it's a guy that played at the University of Virginia just a couple years ago so I mean you know if, if he does put in the work which I think he will I think you know I think he's going to end up being a pretty pretty solid strike mm. yeah I, I'm just I'm just excited to see them because these aren't these aren't temporary moves the, these are long-term moves, right? Like this isn't this isn't like when DK went to was it Barnsley last year? It was a short-term loan, temporary loan, just to try to prevent them from getting relegated. This isn't that. Yeah, they're going to be at these clubs. So I, I I don't know. I am beyond jacked. I'm beyond excited. I feel like the the nine spot is the position that needs the most development so seeing these guys go where they went into those two leagues specifically into those two situations specifically i'm i'm really excited about it i, th- I think it's only going to help us in the long term yep and since Absolutely. this is a prediction based podcast let's get our predictions who ends up scoring more goals between now and the end of the season daryl dk or ricardo pepe I mean, I think it's got to be DK um, for a couple of reasons. One, DK is playing in a lesser league. So, I mean, he like he's not going to be going up against um, the best of the best of, of England, um, of England's league, the way that um, Pepe will be facing in the Bundesliga. Another reason is sheer number of games, games. because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the champ, the championship plays. 46 matches and the Bundesliga plays 34. So mm-hmm. they're coming in at the halfway point. So DK is going to get some, like if they play every match, DK will get six more opportunities than Pepe will. So 
mean, mm-hmm. DK better score more goals than <laughs> And on my end, I'm feeling like the way that they were brought in, I, I think there's a good chance that Pepe plays more minutes overall, even though that there's more matches in the championship. I mean, if DK wasn't playing for a coach who had already seen what he could do, I think you might be right about that. But I think in this situation, they're going to bring him in um, to play um, as quickly as they can get him in. It, it'll, be inter- it'll be interesting, too, that the championship doesn't break uh, for FIFA break. So, I mean, if DK does end up getting call-ups, which I don't think he will in January, I think that's going to be – a Zardes special uh, behind Pepe. Why? He's not FIFA. fucking playing. He's he's <laughs> in camp already. <laughs> not playing. Do you know who our coach is? Come on. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. If he fucks around this window, I swear to God. Yeah. Mm. You, have, you have three strikers over in Europe actively playing minutes right now. Yep. Oh boy. We had Zardes, too. Jesse, mm-hmm. his hair is dyed blonde, mm-hmm. so his grandma knows where he's at on the pitch. I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. <laughs> finish, finish no, 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 I think I'm done with that thought. I just, I, 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 any of these MLS guys that he brings in that he has this little love affair with, it, it's, it's almost like Scott Frost with Adrian Martinez. Like, what the fuck does he owe them? <laughs> what? Of course, of course, we couldn't get through this podcast without <laughs> talking about the Big Twelve North. Yeah, couldn't do it. But but no, for real, for real. Their league, their 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 season is over. They're not even playing. They're not practicing with their club. They're cold. They're ice cold. And he has specifically made it a point to play guys who are playing minutes. He would actively choose MLS guys over European guys because the MLS guys were playing more minutes for their MLS club. So now when the MLS season isn't happening and these guys aren't playing minutes, does that logic still hold true? You would think. You would think, but I mean, he's gonna have to have pretty heavy rotation, especially since how cold it's gonna be, you know, in at what least two. You're not rotate. You're not gonna overheat. You know, you're not gonna sweat as much. You're uh, gonna pick up Knox, man. <laughs> <laughs> go run outside. Go stretch a little bit, and then go take a sprint around your block and. Tell me how good you feel after you do that. <laughs> oh, the cold doesn't help, man. No, I was just fucking around there. But I, I even with rotation, I mean, we, we've we been heavily critical on this show about how much he rotates. I do agree that with the cold and with the outdoor exposure and the environment and everything that's going to happen this window, he might have to rotate a little bit more. But the thing is, he's rotated a ridiculous amount. And even with the cold, he probably doesn't need to rotate as much as he's rotated. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I mean, what, what are we talking about? Nobody plays more than 60% of the minutes total. So you got six, uh, not, you got what, 270 minutes of match. So nobody can play more than 60% of them. That's still not as much rotation as what he had done in the first window. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see what we can, we can touch on that and, and uh, as we get closer to that window, too. Um, so, do you guys got anything else on Daryl DK and Ricardo Pepe? James no. Sands going to the oh, Scottish yeah, San- yeah, Sands <laughs> went to Rangers. I mean, we, we've been done with him. We've been beyond done with James Sands. But 
hey, going to Rangers. He's, I mean, it's not, we, we've, we've talked about it on this show where uh, Portugal and Scotland and who was the other one? It wasn't, it wasn't Austria. Who's, what's the other, what's the other league that's not power five that we, we say is pretty decent. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, a lot of the talk with Sands has been that this is, you know, just a lateral move. I think, you know, the only thing that doesn't make it a lateral move is that he went to one of the two really successful teams in the Scottish Premier League. But I mean, the we talk about teams. <laughs> yeah, the only successful team. We talk about how we think MLS, the top MLS teams could have a shot to compete with some of the championship teams. I don't. I don't think anybody would argue that that MLS is as good as the Scottish Premier League. I think Rangers and Celtic would both destroy the MLS. Mm, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I think they'd have the advantage, but I don't think it would be quite that big of a gap. I I think if, um, I think if um, Celtic or um, Rangers played an MLS team 10 times, they'd probably win like seven. Right. You know, I, I, well, but the thing is, is he's, he's not just playing in the Scottish championship. He's also playing in Europa or champions league matches now. True. True. Yeah, that is true. I, I so wish that um, those two clubs would go join the English league um like the way um Cardiff and Swansea um, play in the English system. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, David Moyes has brought that up. Multiple times, you know. Yeah. Which Sorry. certainly made my job of um, trying to get um, Bristol Rovers to promote it to the Premier League harder because I um, decided to put um, Rangers and um, Celtic in at the um, at the fourth level where I was, so I could never I could never actually um, finish first. <laughs> Fun fact. European clubs, Celtic was the first European club jersey I ever owned. I wow. I bought a Scott McDonald jersey. Who was that? Uh, he was some striker. He was some Australian striker. Oh. <laughs> that, that back in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Actually, World Cup team. Yes, he did, and they were a part of that. Champions League group stage teams that beat Manchester United at Manchester United two to one back in 07 or no 08. Okay. okay. All right. And he scored a goal in that match. His nice. one shining moment. Yep. <laughs> and he did it. He fucking did it. <laughs> but no, so do we have other than Pulisic being a good right wing back? Did you have any other takes that you had to get through, Thomas? Uh no. What's up, everybody? This is Thomas Miller, and I just wanted to let you know that the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast is sponsored by Moneyline Dice. Moneyline aims to revolutionize the sports betting market through the creation of both functional and novelty products that sports bettors of all levels will enjoy. Spotted by its golden peaks, the Moneyline logo symbolizes winning and winning big. Feature products include Moneyline Sports Betting Dice, Moneyline Sports Betting Pocket Notebook, Snapback Hat, and more. Use promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A-1-0, 
0-0 to receive a 10% discount on your next order. That's promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A, for 10% off your next order at MoneylineDice.com. Now let's get back to the show. Are we are we good to go to our picks for the weekend? No, I got a game for you guys. My Thomas's takes. Oh, is it a would you rather? This is a two truths and a lie version. Oh. Soccer version. Okay. You guys All familiar right. with two truths and a lie, I assume? Yes. Yeah, that. you make you make a statement, you make three random statements, and we gotta pick out which one's the lie. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. And so these are all soccer involved. Um, the first one is this kind of soccer in general, soccer history. All right. Here are the statements. Number one, soccer was played by prisoners at London's Newgate prison in the early 1800s after having their hands cut off for crimes. Prisoners came up with a game using only their feet. Statement two, soccer was illegal in the state of Mississippi until 1991. Or statement number three, the fastest red card ever produced in a game was given after two seconds. What do you guys think? <laughs> um, I'm going to say the prison one. I think um, that it dates a lot earlier than that. And I'm going to say the prison one too. Not for that reason. I'm going to say that the date of soccer is actually later than that. But it had nothing to do with prisoners. I, I feel like Mississippi would do something stupid like that. And I promise you, if some dude fucks some other dude's wife, two seconds is two seconds too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the lie, as far as I could tell, and I did this um, investigating before I got sick. I did this yesterday. So I went in pretty deep. Uh, the lie is actually the Mississippi uh <laughs> yeah exactly uh the, the lie is actually the mississippi uh i found it in quite a few articles but i i really couldn't find any any factual information to back it up and then i did find a thread where they were talking about it and someone shared a pdf of uh high school soccer scores from the 80s in mississippi from high school public high school so it does seem like that is the lie the Newgate prison thing is documented in quite a few things. And so these were prisoners that were uh, convicted of theft and stealing. They had their hands lopped off. And so they started playing this game um, is one of the origins in the Western world. Uh, uh, there is, and I don't have all the stuff in front of me, but uh, um, both the Mayas and the Incas played versions of soccer. Uh, yeah, they, Chinese they, they, played. They were they like, it, was like, it was like a combination of soccer and basketball and winner got sacrificed, not loser. Yeah. yeah so, I mean. Uh, <laughs> and they tried to win. <laughs> so it seems like that Newgate prison story is, does have some validity. And then the, the red card story is it was given to Lee Todd, of Cross Farm Park Celtic uh, in 2000, when the ref blew the opening whistle for the kickoff, Todd yelled out, fuck me, that was loud. And the ref red carded him for foul language after two seconds. <laughs> That's kind of some pussy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, pretty yeah, weak. <laughs> yeah. I think he went on to say something like, you know, anybody would have said it because he almost blew my ears off or something like that. Paraphrasing there. All right. Move on to the next one. 
Uh, this one is Leonard. This is Leo Messi based. Uh, these are all Leo Messi facts. Uh, the first statement is at the age of 12, Messi played a game for Newell's old boys under 20 team, scoring four goals versus River Plate's under 20 team. At the age of 11, Messi was diagnosed with a growth hormone disorder. Or the third statement, his first Barcelona contract was written on a napkin. I'll go first this time. I'm going to say the napkin. Okay, Dan. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to say it was the growth hormone. Okay, you guys are both wrong. <laughs> the uh, right. the lie I just made up, uh, completely made it up, uh, was that he scored those four goals as a 12-year-old on the under-20. Um, so the story with the napkin and the disease kind of go hand in hand. Barca was so impressed with the skills when they went to scout him. Um, they... <laughs> They wistfully uh, wrote a contract um, on a napkin. He did have a GHD um, uh, a, a disease that's commonly known as idiopathic, idiopathic short stature. Uh, he, this is well documented. His uh, medical bills were around 1,000 US dollars a month. His family couldn't afford those payments. So Barcelona offered to move him to Barcelona and uh, and pay all his medical bills. My, I think that's the same shit my, uh, my older cousin had, actually. They had to do, like, steroid shots in his legs. Yeah, I'm not sure of the treatment, but, yeah, it sounds like Barca kind of helped him grow up to the five-foot-four or five-foot-five that he oh, no, got that's, up to. That's, that's the crazy part, too, is my cousin's only five-nine. Like it, I, yeah, it, it, I, he's the only person I've ever met with that. So when it came to Messi, I, I actually did know that one. Um, mm -hmm. but that it sounds really similar to what my cousin had, right? Okay. Uh, the third one is, uh, these are all facts about Cristiano Ronaldo. So, number one, Ronaldo's nickname is a kid was crybaby because he would cry when he would pass the ball to his teammates and they wouldn't score. Number two, Ronaldo had Ronaldo has 4% body fat or number three, Ronaldo had heart surgery at the age of 15. <laughs> Even though it's believable, I'm going to say on um, the crybaby one, because that seems a little bit too specific. No, that motherfucker is a Chion. <laughs> that motherfucker is a Chion. No, I'm going to oh, go. I, I know he is. I just don't think that would be the reason why he would get that nickname. Uh, what was the second one again? The second one was Ronaldo has 4% body fats. The third I'm gonna one go with was. That. I'm going to go with okay. that one. That one's like, I, I feel like that's like almost humanly impossible. <laughs> yeah, Corey got this one right. Uh, that is the lie. I did see a thing that he had. I don't know when they ran it, but it was 10% body fat. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like almost impossible. Uh, he's at, he's oh. at seven, it turns out. Oh, geez. <laughs> in here. So the, the crybaby story was told by his mother. Um, and I guess, you know, so that gives it uh, some truth. And then he had uh, something called tachycardia, which means that his heart was always racing and he had to have a laser surgery performed on his heart to correct the condition that could have, I guess, killed him. Uh, but he came out of it pretty well. It's a heart condition where your heartbeat will go from a, like a normal 60 to like 150 
in in 20 like it it feels like you just took an adrenaline syringe to the heart and yeah. it's like really painful it's on you know it, it, yeah i yeah all right um yeah yeah that's that's kind of what it said too that even at a sitting he could just be sitting there and his heart would just start racing out of control i guess uh and then moving on to the last one that i have uh this is just a come of all craziness um <laughs> statements uh with soccer matches in south america uh first statement in argentine soccer match was halted after a player who received a red card murdered the ref uh statement two chile was banned from 1994 world cup after goalkeeper faked an injury in a qualifier or three a peruvian league match was called off after a pack of unruly wild city dogs invaded the pitch in lima I'm going to go with the first one just because I don't think he actually murdered the ref. I think that's the lie. Probably physically assaulted and put in the hospital and maybe maybe the ref died later. I don't know. But the dogs, the dogs definitely happened. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I think on the dogs is the lie because I think if I remember correctly, that was actually cows. <laughs> like I know for a fact the chili one is true. Like I like I know that that is the reason why they were banned from the '94 World Cup. But yeah, I th- I think yeah. it's the dogs. Yep, Dan got this one right. So you guys each got one right. Uh, the the yeah, I made up that dogs. But I mean, it is believable. Anybody's who ever been to an international city capital, just like on the drive from the airport to your hotel or whatever. You see a lot of wild dogs, so I mean, it's believable. Uh, the the Chile Chile was banned. Uh, they needed in 1989. They needed to beat Brazil um, to qualify for the 1990 World Cup. They were losing the second half. A flare was thrown onto or shot, I guess, onto the pitch. The Chilean goalkeeper uh, faked an injury, cut himself with a uh, razor blade. Um, this is like all in an attempt to get the match called off and either replayed or whatever. Um, they checked the video. Uh, it was like the fir- first ever version of VAR and noticed that it didn't hit him. Uh, so they were banned from the 1994 World Cup. Um, and then the Argentine soccer match happened in Cardova. It was a lower, lower division or possibly amateur uh, match. But um, a player was... Given a red card, uh, he went to the locker room, grabbed a gun out of his, this was in 2016, uh, grabbed a gun out of his bag, came back out, shot the ref three times, killed him, uh, injured another player, I think on a reflection, and then uh, our deflection shot. And uh, uh, yeah, the ref's name was Cesar Flores. And and uh, the player who, who did it at, was actually able to escape the stadium. And I could never find like a, a follow-up story from like the original news cycle when people were talking about this in 2016. So he may still be at large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it's, it's tragic. Uh, not trying to, you know, make any light of that, but I mean, it is, it is pretty crazy. I saw another story while I was looking this up that, I didn't even really want to get into if it was real or not, but it was like 2013 Brazil and some lower league uh, fans invaded a pitch, like stoned to death a ref and then lopped off his head, put it on a stake and put it at the midfield 
spot <laughs> but i don't know if that was real or not i didn't i didn't want to really get into it. it's pretty morbid on that so right. so with chile band in 1994 who did that open the door for to um, qualify out of um, south america was it columbia um columbia did qualify but the team i was referring to was actually bolivia which oh, is the only time they qualify. <laughs> um, the only time that they have qualified since 1950. Wow. Yeah. Hey, we also qualified in 94 for the first time since like 1950, right? We qualified 1990. in 1990. Ah, I, we I didn't have that. to qualify in 94. Yeah, that was the joke. That was the joke. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's how you play Two Truths and a Lie. <laughs> all right all right so i think we can go ahead and move on to our picks for the week um so my plays they all start i, I i've got i've got a bunch of english premier league games and then i've got some other games that start on saturday i am in england in italy and in germany so I'll start off with my first one, which is going to be the earliest one that happens, I believe. Oh my God, These English know. games are midweek then, right? Because yeah, FA Cup are. is this weekend. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to start off with my Bundesliga play, and I got to double check and see what see what uh, this payout is. But the one that I have written down is I'm actually going to take Freiburg. And that is at home versus, correct me if I'm wrong, Bielefeld. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Freiburg money line in that match, and then I'm gonna parlay that with Hoffenheim money line against Pepe and Augsburg. Those both happen Saturday morning, and if you parlay those two money lines together, you come out at plus one forty nine. Nice payout. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and the other thing that I was looking at was with Pepe coming into Augsburg, there is a chance that he will play minutes, and I know he'll be cold, but if he gets a goal and it's like a 1-1 match, I wanted to see what the payout would be for a double chance for Hoffenheim, and that comes out to minus 121, which is really close to an even bet. So if you didn't feel comfortable and you assumed that Pepe would get a goal in his first match, would finish one to one, and you want to take Hoffenheim double chance because Hoffenheim's been pretty hot and cold. Going on to Dan's point about the competitiveness of Bundesliga, that still comes out to minus one twenty one. So, right on, man. Yeah, that's a solid play. And I just want to say the New York Knicks hit a three-pointer at the buzzer. Come all the way back to make my plus two bet <laughs> work out. Uh, and it looks like I'm going to hit the other two that are going on right now in the NBA. Too. So I continue my hot streak in the NBA. Soccer, I've been really struggling. So all my picks this week are are just kind of like trying to simplify, simplify it and get myself back on track, man. Um, so they're not huge payouts, but, uh, you know, they're a little bit safer bets, but see how they go. Uh, the first one is in La Liga. La Liga. I'm going to take the Real Madrid money line versus Valencia. 
Um, and pair that with the Sevilla money line versus Getafe. Uh, those are just both two larger favorites, uh, two better teams, uh, both of them at home. Those combined together will get you to the plus 115. There you go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Let's see. Um, looking at this, I am going to... All right. I think what I'm going to do here is play Union um, plus a goal at um, Leverkusen. So essentially, um, uh, essentially a double chance here because the past three matches between Leverkusen and Union have either finished in a 1-1 draw or a 1-0 win for Union. So I think there's a um, decent chance that um, they can walk away with something here. And another bet I like on this match is both teams to score because both teams to score is hit in um, four of the past five meetings. So that one's a minus 150. So not a great play, but a decent way to get some money. Right on. There you go. I like it. Um, and actually... <laughs> I was very close to playing the Leverkusen money line, but I, I avoided it. So, so, so we're good. Um, uh, the next one that I'm going to play is actually in La Liga. I said Syria and I was mistaken. It's going to be in La Liga and I'm going to take the Granada double chance at plus one Oh five against Barcelona. I am fading Barcelona. They have they've been really, really hot and cold, and I'm just gonna bank on them being cold. And even if you wanted to, I mean, you got a double chance that comes out of plus 105 on the home team, even though they're an underdog. So I'm gonna roll with that. And if you wanted to boost it, you could you could also add the under three and a half goals and get it up to plus one sixty four, and I'm sure if you wanted to go the other route, you could boost it by parlaying over one and a half goals, and get that to even more plus payout. But I just I don't trust Barcelona's ability to score goals, and they're the road team. So I'm going to take the double chance at plus money. Sounds cool. Yes. Yeah, Barcelona's as much as they struggled everywhere, they've really struggled on the road. Uh, a lot worse than at home. They did. I played against them. I faded them earlier this week, and they they won. Uh, <laughs> so you know, hopefully they're due to lose, so you can hit that one. Uh, my next play stays in La Liga. I'm playing it safe to the vest again. Um, Real Sociedad versus Celtic Vigo. I'm gonna go with the Real Sociedad double chance win and draw. And then uh, both teams to score at a no um, at plus 111. I've talked about on the show how impressive Real Sociedad has been defensively at home. This year, they've only given up a few goals the entire year at home. So more than likely, um, you know, they'll hold out Celta Vigo, who's not, you know, lighting it up offensively. Yeah, I like it. 
All right. So this next one, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to try to use a little bit of um, fixture congestion um, to my advantage because Serie A played um, matches today and they've got to play again January 9th. So I'm going to go with Napoli to win to nil against Sampdoria because Napoli hasn't been giving up many goals anyway. They've only given up 15 through 20 matches and their past two meetings against Storm Sampdoria, they've won to nil. They've won the past five and won three out of those five um, via shutout. So I think dead legs might be a factor here. And I like Napoli to win to nil at plus 150. Yeah, I really like that. I made money on Napoli today, so I, I really do like that play. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. My last two plays are going to be in the English Premier League, and those are going to be early midweek over the weekend. So basically I gave you plays for the weekend on Saturday and I believe on Sunday, and now I'm giving you plays for Tuesday and Wednesday before we record again next week. But the first one that I'm going to play <coughs> – is going to be a Brentford double chance at Southampton. And I'm going to parlay that with under three and a half goals. They're really close to each other in the standings, but I feel like Brentford is the better, better side. And I feel like at worst, it's going to be a draw. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals scored. And this kind of ties into the point that Dan just made about uh, fixture con- congestion in Syria. The league with the most fixture congestion is the English Premier League. They have not stopped playing matches, and they have been playing matches at a rapid fire pace. So there is a lot of tired legs going on in England right now, which is why I'm parlaying that with the under three and a half. When you do that, it comes out to plus one thirty one. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, could go into helping your tired legs theory too. Uh, Brentford visit, visits Port Valley, which I believe is a League Two team. And uh, Southampton actually has to visit Swansea City. So a tougher game for Southampton for sure. Those are both on Saturday uh, in the FA Cup before that matchup. So that should help out your chances big time. Yep. All right. Like My next one is in uh, Bundesliga. I'm taking the Bayern Munich money line versus um, Mönchengladbach. Um, this is a game tomorrow uh, afternoon. So I'm going to get this out <laughs> here quickly. Uh, and then um, I'm going to pair that with uh, our favorite team to fade, uh, Greater Firth. Firth? <laughs> but I'm going to actually give them... Uh-huh. A double chance with the draw. They have they have actually had two results in their last three games, including their only win on the year. Who was that against, Dan? Yeah. Don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> so maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll, get him, we'll get him back at the Fortress, but good <laughs> God. So maybe Greaterforth has figured it out a little bit, and this actually helps out our boy uh, Pepe uh, if they were to – Steal some points from Stugrat. And so um, those two combined uh, goes up to plus 
All right. Um, okay, for my next one, this is going to be a complete shot in the dark that probably is going to backfire hard. But I'm going to throw a dart here and take um, Monk and Gladback plus 650 against Bayern. This is probably going to look like a completely stupid play. But the team's past three matches, you know what the um, scoreline is between them? Nope. Gladback know. eight, Bayern one. <laughs> Yeah, they just beat them five to zero or something. Yeah, right? five five yeah. nil last time they met. They drew one one to start to start the year, and then Gladback um, tripped them up um, two nil in um, July. So, I mean, why not? Like, right. do I yeah. think this will actually happen? No, but anytime you can get plus six fifty on a trend, you have to at least throw a dart. Dude, and that that double chance is going to be plus money too. That's going to be yeah. close to plus two hundred. Yeah, the double chance is plus two twenty. Yeah, so I mean, even if you want to take give yourself an extra out, that's still double that's money. True. Well, I mean, I've gone for the big for the big one ever since um that um Western Conference Final when LAFC was um basically looking at a coronation hosting Seattle. Seattle was plus six hundred to win, and I said, "Screw it, let's take the Sounders." Um, and we managed to pull it out. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'll probably um, I'll probably throw a dart on the double chance as well. But I mean, plus six fifty, you got to try. Do I think it'll happen? No. Yeah, yeah it's worth throwing some, throwing a little bit of money at you know. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, Corey and I, we we both threw a dart on Cincinnati. <laughs> Granted, Cincinnati Cincinnati probably had a better chance against Alabama than I'm um, glad back currently has against Bayern, but. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> hey, I mean, in all fairness there, Cincinnati actually had a chance to win a game. That wasn't a stupid play. The team that didn't belong was Michigan. Oh, no. Uh, the, well, yeah, there, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, there, There's, yeah, that that's, yeah. We can talk about that at a different time. Um <laughs> My last play is I, and this is one of the play. This is probably my favorite play of the weekend. I am going to fade the ultimate fade, and our ultimate fade has been Norwich all year long. Oh I'm going to take West Ham money line against Norwich, and then I'm going to parlay that with Leicester double chance at Everton, and that comes out to neg one seventeen. So you do got to, you do have to pay a little bit of juice. But I feel like that is a super, super safe bet. How do you feel about uh, Leicester's chance against Everton, Thomas? Um, it's at Everton? hmm Yeah, Leicester's been playing better, uh, for sure. Everton's been not good pretty much the whole year. So, yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about West Ham? I don't like you betting on West Ham, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, West Ham should handle Norwich. Norwich has returned back to form. You know, they were kind of uh, making us think they were decent there for a minute, but they've been getting their asses kicked again. So 
Yeah, West Ham should be able to handle him. Um, my last play is in Serie A. Uh, Dan played uh, Napoli win to nil. Uh, I'm just going to use their money line in a two-game parlay. And I'm going to pair that with uh, the Lazio, the Inter versus Lazio over. Lazio's been scoring goals, giving up goals like crazy. Inter is top table. They actually had their game postponed today, so they will be on fresh legs. I think Lazio is good enough to get at least one. I think Inter is good enough to get two or three or four. So uh, take that over two and a half uh, at plus 120. I think that's a um, pretty um, solid play. Thank you. All right. Um, let's see. I am going to go into um, League One into France, and I am going to play um, the over between um, Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain. And Let's see. What is what is the number on that? Oh. Ah, had it here. All right. Anyway, the like the reason I'm for playing the over here is France hasn't really been on playing matches on as of late, so I think the teams are going to be fresh and I think there's a fair amount of fair um, chance that we see a lot of goals here. The last um, two times that these teams have played, they've um, scored a total of nine goals. So um, I'm going to go over three and a half at plus 105. I like it. Yeah, FanDuel has plus or over three and a half plus 120. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I was using MGM. Yeah, MGM's better, right? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Right. Okay, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, no, so uh <clears throat> I'm all out of plays. Is everybody else out of plays? Yeah, I think I think so. Um I was going to make a um play in the um Eredivisie or however on um, the Netherlands um league is pronounced, but the matches um I when I was doing the research, the matches aren't until the sixteenth. So one thing that um I will call attention to there, Ajax has only given up four goals all year. Hmm. Wow. That might be worth using for betting. Yeah, it absolutely might. Um, and they've um they've only given up goals in three of their matches um all season. I wow. am definitely going to pay attention to that. I think yeah. I think adding a Ajax both teams not to score to every parlay might be worth it from this point forward. <laughs> well, the <laughs> thing is, their next match is against um, Utrecht, who is one of the two teams that has actually found the net against them this year. Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, Ajax has a goal differential of 52. Wow. Hey, doesn't isn't that where Edson Alvarez plays? Uh, I think that might be right. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, yes, that is where he plays. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Alfonso. 
is <laughs> doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, now I, I I'm all out of place. I think we're all out of place. That is definitely something worth noting for the future. But I think with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, as always, like to give a shout out to the Coda Cappers Sports Gambling Network. That's at Coda Cappers. They are definitely the reason why we're doing this today. They are the ones that kind of linked us up with Dan and gave us this platform to be able to come to you. And we fully appreciate it. So give them a shout out. They've got a bunch of podcasts. So if you follow at Coda Cappers, you will see all the podcasts that are available there. And they have everything from soccer to UFC and everything in between. So definitely give everybody a listen. They have something for your taste for sure. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we let them go? Uh, no, I'm I'm fresh out of energy and ready to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good. Um, probably sh- probably shouldn't be calling attention to on um, the picks I've made the last couple days on the site. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> with that, we'll let you go, and we will see you all again next week. Yep. See you guys. Bye.